So I said to myself, okay, I can't, I can't do this. I definitely need to get better about that. It's so funny that you said that. Yeah, no, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> It's time to get loud. Welcome back to Loud Talk with Lavi, a podcast where we break down the walls of beauty standards one flaw at a time. And today I have such a special guest that I am so excited to have on the podcast, Taylor Frankel, the co-founder and chief brand officer of Nude Sticks. Oh my gosh, Taylor, thank you so much for joining me today. It's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited um, I've obviously seen your podcast through social and I feel like we've connected through social for so long that this is kind of like a very nice virtual introduction. <laughs> yes, very nice to finally like, I guess, talk to you and see you face to face and not just message. Um, I guess to start off, you know, I want to hear a little bit about your background, you know, growing up. What was it like kind of creating mute sticks and what led you to that kind of early on? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'll give you a back some background on my life, my mom, and that will bring a lot of context to how we got where we are today. So my mm -hmm. mom, Jenny, she's actually a chemical engineer. She's been developing cosmetics for over 20 years. Um, she actually started her career developing cosmetics for MAC, um, a Toronto-based brand. We're Toronto-Canadian. Um and in the year 2000, developed another beauty brand called Cover Effects. Um, if you're familiar with wow. Cover Effects, uh, you're probably, you know, very familiar with their iconic complexion products or foundations. Yes. Um, they had such beautiful collections. Um, and so she comes very much from the world of more is more. If you think about it, like Cover Effects was very much about more is more coverage um, warranted because it was very much for, um, you know, a clientele who needed full or wanted full coverage. Absolutely. And then you had Mac Cosmetics, which was artistry, was very yes. glam, very artistry, very colorful. Um, and growing up, my mom being a young mom and starting her business when my sister and I were very, very young, she would always bring her work home. And you hear these stories a lot about how, you know, most of us as young, you know, children or adolescents are very inspired by what our parents do and, um, you know, the work that they bring home to us and what they talk to us about, you know, at the dinner table. And so for me, that was beauty. Um, it was very much about beauty products, mm -hmm. uh, beauty brands, the industry, and both my parents were entrepreneurs. And so I kind of really only saw this like one very clear path of entrepreneurship of which interestingly enough, is not very talked about in no. in, a, in the education system. If you think about like what you learn at high school or even in university, um, they're very rigid paths mm -hmm. of which like entrepreneurship is not even an option. Um, and what I love about today's generation is that we have so much access to tools and whether it's social media or Shopify, um, where we can really, the, the barriers have been been dropped. Um, but going back to like 2012 ish, my mom had actually previously exited, um, her, her company and she had this two year non-compete eat, pray, love moment. That's what she calls it. And during that time, she had no intention of launching a beauty brand, especially with her two teenage daughters. But we decided, we just talked a lot about beauty. Like mm -hmm. 
we talked about the industry, the brands, what we felt was missing. Um, it's funny because my sister and I would go into our mom's makeup bag and we would look at all these products from her previous lives. And we would say, well, you know, mom, there's nothing out there for us. And she would say, well, what do you mean? Like if there's any industry that has way too many products and that was going back to 2012, like that's right. not even near where we are today in the beauty industry. And she would say, well, what do you mean? And we would say, yeah, there's no brand that really talks to us. And we had this aha moment and it wasn't necessarily just about the products that these brands had to offer, but it's how the brands were actually speaking to our generation. And we felt like there was a lack of messaging to this modern day person today who wants to look like the best version of themselves, wants to feel beautiful, but doesn't necessarily have the time um, or, you know, finds that other beauty standards are very unaccessible and unaspirational right. because it really is, it was about transformational beauty and mm -hmm. more is more. Um, and I'm not sure if you remember, but like, you know, the OG YouTube days, like think 2012, 2013, yes. if you went onto YouTube and watched a, a makeup tutorial, it wasn't, it wasn't everyday makeup. You, you were not wearing that to school. You were not wearing that to work. It was like maybe an event, but even mm -hmm. then, like, if you're not an artist, if you don't have the time, if you're this modern day person who has a career, who has a home, who has a family, like, where are you finding the time to do these things? And also to invest in that many products. If you think about how many steps that you typically had to use and do to create this full glam, yes. it's like, what? <laughs> At least like 20 products. No, and I totally, you know, agree with that. I actually started on YouTube in 2013. So every like makeup wow. tutorial I was posting was that like full glam transformation, yeah. you know, like if you looked even remotely close to what you looked like before you were doing it wrong, you know, <laughs> like you had yeah. to have a full transformation. And I had so many friends, Um, you're so right in that. I had so many friends who would tell me like, yeah, I just like don't even bother with makeup because I don't know how to do it. Right. Yeah. Because it was just like, if you don't have that, like very artist type look, you're not doing your makeup right. So that you definitely bring up a good point there. And I definitely think that there was a lack for that in the beauty industry. It's so funny that you said that because I remember very, very vividly going out with a few of my girlfriends and this was, we were in high school at the time. So I don't know what going out was, but we were, we were going out somewhere. I don't know where we were going, but we were doing our makeup. And um, I remember one of my girlfriends said, I can't like, I can't do my makeup. I'm not going out. Like, I don't feel good. And that really struck a chord with me because no one should ever feel that lack of confidence to go out and have a good time with their friends because they don't feel confident in, you know, the way they do their makeup or how they feel in their makeup because it was very intimidating. Um, you know, if you think about it, like the, the, the palettes and the powders and the brushes, it's like, if you don't have a full tutorial, someone standing next to you on how to achieve or how to create or how to use um, it's very challenging. So that was where we kind of had these two years of just like gathering inspiration, mm -hmm. conceptualizing, um, and truthfully, you know, finding the solution for ourselves, but also the modern day person. And we would stand on sidewalks and we would watch the modern day woman and she can be 18, 35, 65, it doesn't matter, but she's doing her makeup on the go. She's wearing less is more, you know, she's getting her kids out the door. Um, she has a career, like all of these these, these real women, um, you know, who kind of wanted this real beauty. And so that was when we decided, okay, there's a white space here. And mm -hmm. this is, this is the moment to launch something that, you know, is truly differentiated. And that's where the whole concept of nude sticks comes from. And the name really says it all. It's very um, clear, nude, meaning everything we do is shades of neutrals for all skin tones. It's about 
looking nude. And what does that mean? It doesn't necessarily always mean less steps because sometimes there were more steps than other days, yeah. but it can mean just like your makeup looking like you, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit better. Because, you yeah. know, we're all wearing makeup because we want to look a little bit better than how we woke up in the morning. Um, yes. Nude also means just we really empower our community to just feel good by looking like themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, enhancing their natural beauty. And then you have sticks. Sticks was our was our primary concept. We wanted to only launch like pencils, stick concepts. And that was because we didn't want to intimidate, you know, even ourselves, but also our community, our customers with all of these tools and oversized packaging and everything needed to be smaller than our smartphone. Like if right. it was... So even our tins, like our outer packaging is smaller yes. than a smartphone. Um, very on the go. Yeah. Very on the go. And it was because we felt that was what real life beauty was. Like we always say nude sticks should not be sitting in your vanity and touch once a year for a special event. If you think about like, I have these palettes that I've gotten from, you know, years of being in the industry. And I think I've used some of them like once and they're beautiful and they mm-hmm. sit on my vanity or in my drawer, but I'll maybe pick up once a year versus nude sticks should be well-loved. Like it should be used in your bag, in your purse, in your car. Like it's not meant to just like sit pretty on a desk or on a vanity. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of nude sticks. It's easy, minimalist, multitasking, makeup. Um, that's Yeah. I, and that was a little bit long-winded, but um, that's how we came to be. <laughs> no, I, I love that. And it, it's so like interesting to see hear the backstory and everything and I'm currently actually studying chemical engineering in school so it's so interesting how your mom kind of came from that background and then you know kind of created something completely opposite from what the beauty industry was at the time and kind of filled up that hole and um, it's really awesome to see you know kind of that family owned brand with you and your sister and your mom kind of um, just creating this this whole brand which is really really interesting so I guess you kind of touched on like the inspiration behind nude sticks and kind of how you guys gathered that information but what led you to deciding okay we're gonna do this together like you have the expertise from the cosmetic industry from your mom what was kind of the leading point to kind of bring you and your sister in on this as well yeah so um this was probably in this was in 2013 And after kind of like just a year of just like conceptualizing and just talking about the industry, um, my sister and I being like very, very young, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, I was just, I was about 17 at the time. My sister was 14. We were still in high school and my mom came to us one day and we were actually on a family trip for a wedding. And she said, and at, at a wedding, obviously it's like, beauty heaven, right? Like you're just getting ready together. You're using makeup products. You're a little bit more glam than what you are every day. And it was on that trip that she said, listen, like there's nothing else. There's nothing out there like this. We need to do it. And, um, you know, it came together very, very quickly. Um, although my sister and I were in school at the time, Mm -hmm. we actually, um, had dedicated days once a week, actually on our weekends, where we would just sit and have a marketing meeting and a brand meeting on what, you know, the next steps were. And because we were in high school, my mom um, had traveled to a variety of just like trade shows to find different uh, varieties of packaging and formulas. And she would come home and she would, that's when we would have our meeting on the Sundays and she'd say, okay, this is what I saw. What do you like? What do you not like? What are the shades? What What is the final packaging? What's the formula? So obviously like the first year or so was a little bit slower, um, but that was kind of the next step. We always say, 
or whenever someone approaches me about starting a brand, I always say like, finalize your product, like Mm -hmm. product is king, finalize your assortment, finalize your formulas. And then you can kind of, you know, go from create your marketing deck, go to market from there. Um, But that was kind of the, I guess the dynamic for a bit until um, I went to university in my, uh, in Toronto, I went to university and I was there for about a year and a half. And during that year and a half, Nude Sticks was launching. Um, we were launching globally. We were launching Sephora. And oh, wow. a part of my role at the time was going into store, educating the beauty advisors, um, meeting with media, press, um, meeting with clients, customers, head offices. And I was not putting in nearly as much effort and time as I should have in school. And I truthfully like was not doing well and it was causing me a lot of anxiety. So I said to myself, okay, I can't, I can't do this. Like I'm, you know, 50% here, 50% Mm -hmm. there. I'm not all in anywhere. So I had actually a consultant um, or kind of like an advisor, a a friend who mentioned to me, he said, you know, nude sticks or sorry, he said, school will always be there, but this opportunity will with nude sticks may not. And that was kind of like the trigger point for me to say, you know what, you're right. And it was a non-biased, like he wouldn't have have any benefit of me staying or leaving. So I really wanted someone who just was super, you know, objective. And that was when I decided to just pursue nude sticks full time. And eight years later, (laughs) never looked back, go back uh, to finish university one day, but for now, enjoying the journey. Exactly. And sometimes, honestly, you do have to kind of take that leap of faith and really, as you said, kind of put your full energy into it. Because although, as you mentioned, you know, you started off with that one day a week that you slotted out, right? Like, and I think it's very encouraging to people to hear that because, you know, you hear a lot of people working a traditional job or um, going to school and they have these big dreams, but they're like, I don't have the time to work on it. And it's like, you know, if you slot out a little bit of time per week and kind of put some energy into that, you never know where it can take you. So I think that's so important um, that you brought that up there. And with that, you know, you're obviously going into a very saturated market. We know that the makeup industry is one of the biggest industries in the world. So was that like ever scary? You know, when you guys were going into that global launch, um, was there any fear of how nude sticks would do in such a saturated industry? Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because at such a young age, and I was actually on a, um, a panel recently, I was speaking at like the WWD um, CEO conference, um, which was a huge milestone. And one of my my comments um, as a young Gen Z, actually, I, I bridge the world of Gen Z and millennial, depending on, you know, the day. <laughs> yeah. um, as a Gen Z founder, I mentioned one of my superpowers was my naivety. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, if you know exactly the hardship that entrepreneurial this entrepreneurial journey will look like it is very easy to be fearful and to back out and um i think when i was you know 18 19 years old and we were launching globally um i was so passionate and we were all so confident in our brand and our ethos and our messaging that we truly didn't look sideways we really just looked ahead and that for us was i think um the best thing we could have done because Mm -hmm. we would have been eaten up for sure. Like it's so easy, um, you know, to be so 
consumed by what everyone else is doing. And I think even to this day, I task my team as much as you want to look at your competitors, you need to look forward and you need to compete against yourself. Um, because it is, yeah, it could be very scary, like going into like an industry that, um, is so saturated where you have these huge players that have unlimited budgets, um, and, and you don't. And, um, I, I really think that, you know, part of our authentic storytelling is also what really differentiated us at the time. And I always say, if you're a founder, not everyone needs to be a consumer facing founder or like a public facing founder. But in many ways, I do think that it is your superpower because that's what's going to create this connection between you and the consumer. Because if you think about like these huge conglomerates, whether it's, um, you know, an Estee Lauder or a L'Oreal, they don't have that. Mm -hmm. They don't have that connection, that humanity um, that you have. So I think using that to your advantage is super important. And we did that and it wasn't, it was strategic, but it wasn't because it was just so real. Like we were Mm -hmm. just we were the brand. Yes. Um, but yeah, in a way, ignorance is bliss. So I think as long as you can hold on to that, um, it can work in your favor. And, you know, I think we were lucky enough that we had my mom as well, who did have kind of like the practical and obviously the business experience as well, um, to ensure we were on the right path. But I think in her, in a way, she also was very much like in this, like we, are very much doing, like, we're very focused on the present. So yeah, I hope that kind of answered your question. (laughs) Yes, no, absolutely. And I kind of with that, I wanted to ask, do you think that you guys really entered the market kind of at the perfect time since there wasn't many options for kind of that minimalistic beauty? Because nowadays we see kind of a very opposite trend in the beauty industry where everything, you know, that's coming out is that like no makeup, makeup look and everything like that. So do you think that timing had you know, any play in the success of the brand? 100%. Um, Timing is a huge contributor um, and a little bit of luck, obviously, and a lot of hard work. But, um, you know, I think we entered the space at a perfect time. What's really interesting, and you mentioned that you started YouTube in 2013. So I'm, you know, you're very aware of what the world of beauty looked like at the time. Um, So we had a very clear white space. We were that easy, minimalist makeup brand, shades of neutral, on-the-go beauty, um, less is more makeup. Our tagline is go nude but better was very clear. And we were, I would say, two steps ahead of the consumer which is perfect timing. I would say if you're three steps ahead of the consumer, it's almost too much because they won't understand. And then someone else will come in a little bit at a, at a, at at that sweet spot and just kind of like steal your thunder a little bit. Um, But it was, it was perfect timing. What's interesting because you said like how the industry has really flipped, right? It Mm -hmm. started as more as more, you know, 10 years ago. Now it's all about less is more minimalist makeup, but it was really challenging to, to get people to wear less is more makeup. Like if you think about the influencer community at the time, um, you know, whether it was your Manny MUAs or your Desi Perkins and it was full glam, like me as a 17 year old going, you know, trying to pitch these and influencers was incredibly intimidating because I'm like 18 years old, less is more makeup. I'm like, do you want to try <laughs> nude sticks? <laughs> They're like, okay, what, what is this nude sticks? Um, but when we got product into the hands of the of them, you know, they they love the formulas. We really pride ourselves on high performance. Um, but yeah, timing had to do uh, had so much to do with it. Um, even like timing of markets, like as an example, we launched 
um, the UK first um, okay. strategically with a UK based retailer called Space and K. Um, and then we launched North America pretty much simultaneously with Asia, um, Australia. And one of the reasons for that was we wanted to go wide very quickly because we knew if we didn't launch in a global capacity, especially with Sephora, who had reached out to us, um, we would lose that market share very right. quickly. Um, so we went wide and then we went deep in those markets throughout those throughout the years. Um, but yeah, it, it's hard. It's it's very challenging to time anything perfectly. Um, but it's kind of more so this intuition um, mm -hmm. that you kind of you have. And, and my mom and myself and my sister had that at the time. And we're like, OK, like this feels right. But um, you have to trust yourself. Well, that's, you know, and that's yeah. such great advice, I think, to so many entrepreneurs out there, people who kind of want to, you know, dive into running their own businesses, you have to trust your product. And um, I think what you mentioned earlier and perfecting that product before and really, you know, putting everything behind it before you launch. And I did want to ask what was kind of the decision point behind maybe not launching like locally in Canada, North America versus going to the UK first? Yeah. So the UK, it was actually an opportunity that came about um, with this retailer and they are a little bit of an older apothecary. Um, they're definitely modernized, a little bit more modern now, but mm -hmm. had a, a lot of your traditional beauty brands. They're a smaller space. They were looking to acquire a millennial customer. Okay. Um, and so as when the brand was pitched as like this millennial brand that's yes. kind of speaking to like easy modern on the go lifestyle that is the you know the modern day woman they were like oh my god like we need something like this like we want to attract this customer and bring them into our doors because they were a little bit of more of a traditional um, retailer and then the reason why we didn't launch Canada first and this is no nothing against my fellow Canadians because <laughs> we love you but Canadians are tend to adopt things a little bit late um, and I also find, and, and that's more so just like the trend cycles, like usually yeah. trends, even fashion trends, beauty trends, well, they'll usually kick off like in Europe or the UK, and then they kind of trickle to the US. Now I would say the US is somewhat aligned with UK, if not leading. Um, and then Canada kind of gets those trends later, mm -hmm. later on, um, or are adopted later on once they're kind of looked at as cool, in other markets. So, and also as a Canadian brand, um, as much as we own the fact that we're Canadian, um, you know, I think once we became a little bit um, larger in the other markets or adopted by like media and influencers in the US, that's when Canadians um, began to kind of own nude sticks as like, oh my God, Canadian brand. And I think it. if we launched Canada first, it would have been a little bit more challenging to grow. Um, and then also just like from a numbers perspective, like yes. Canada has 30 million people, like, yeah. you know, I, if you are looking to scale and to grow very quickly, um, if you think about the population of Canada versus population of even just California, California has almost a comparable com uh, population to all of Canada. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's just more of a numbers game, um, than anything else as well. Absolutely. No, you bring up a good point there. And 
as much as sometimes it frustrates me being Canadian, getting products later after I see like all my friends in the U.S. trying them out, uh, you're definitely right from a numbers point. It does does make the most sense. But um, it's super cool to see like a Canadian company doing so well. Um, every time I hear like, you know, that uh, a brand, especially in this industry, is founding Canada, it just like makes me so happy. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's but, so much talent in Canada like yes there's really so much creative creativity and talent that stems from Canada that I'm lucky that it's a lot of Canadians are getting that recognition it's great yes I'm so happy to see that as well I do want to shift gears a little bit back to you and you mentioned earlier in this podcast that growing up you did kind of know that you want to take that entrepreneurial route due to your parents both being entrepreneurs but did you ever think that you would start a business so young at like you mentioned you I think you were 17 at the time right yeah no absolutely not (laughs) um I I was very much um like growing up I didn't have a very clear path um of what I wanted to do or what I wanted to be Mm -hmm. um you know I contemplated obviously entrepreneurship because my because of my parents um I saw it firsthand my mom being a chemical engineer, I contemplated chemical engineering because of her. However, I could not do physics for the life of me or chemistry. Um, <laughs> so I'm very admirable of you um, and any engineers. Um, but yeah, I was I was definitely a little bit more of the creative type and didn't have like a very clear, you know, I want to be a lawyer or a doctor or whatever it is. Um, and so I think in a way this opportunity with nude sticks was kind of like my almost like re like almost created this, this newfound passion within me. Um, because I think when most of us at that age have no idea what we want to do with mm-hmm. our lives, um, you know, a lot of the times it's like trial and error and doing things that either make you feel uncomfortable or things that, you know, you're passionate about and seeing how you can make a career out of it. And that I was lucky enough to find something I was passionate about and, made a career out of it. But, um, you know, obviously with a team and lots of years, many years later, but um, yeah, I definitely did not think I would be doing this at such a young age. No. And that's so like inspiring to see, I'm sure to anyone listening as well, you know, you can start something at any age, you know, whether you're older and you think that you can't like kind of switch that career path or super young, I think it's, it's really great to see that. I love like, you know, watching Shark Tank or whatever, and even seeing super young kids just come up with products. And it's so great to see because, you know, you never know, like you'll have an idea and you never know when it can turn to something big. I did want to ask as well, what's that kind of dynamic like working with your family? I know for myself, I currently work with my brother. He's my editor. He's been working with me for two years now. And, you know, working with family is interesting because there's so much trust there and, you know, they have their best, your best intentions, but there's that comfortable part with working with family and does that ever bring up challenges, but what makes it also like all worth it in the end for you? Yeah. Okay. Working with family, working with family is a lot of fun. Um, you know, I think to your point, they are your people that you can rely on and that have your best interest, um, in mind. Um, but I think the most challenging part, um, over the years has really been kind of setting those boundaries between work and personal. Um, So really making sure that, you know, you communicate very, very clearly um, because it can become quite unhealthy if you don't have those, um, if you don't have them separated because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden your entire 
life becomes work. And as much as that can be, um, as much as that was my life for quite some time, and it was almost necessary because of the growth phase that we were in, um, you know, I'm now at a point in my life where I do need that balance for my mental health. And I think for the sanity and for the sake of my relationships as well. So I think just being very clear off the bat, and I think that can be a family um, conversation, but it's also just any type of business partner that you're working with, like making sure that you're setting those clear boundaries right at the beginning, you're communicating very effectively. Um, And I had to learn that quite a bit because, you know, at a young age, what is healthy? Like, what is communication, right? What is boundaries? No, you don't really, you know, um, you don't even have the term boundary in, in your vocabulary, right? Absolutely. Um, but it is a lot of fun. I think we'll we'll always look back and think about like all of the milestones that we've hit together and all of the travel we've done together and it's truly invaluable. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's always, yeah, I don't know. Like there's always like little things, right? Like if you're, I don't know if I'm traveling with my mom and you always you're as much as she's my my business partner she's also my mom and so yes. then if you get into an argument with your mom it then becomes you know it's like okay <laughs> no absolutely <laughs> so there's always like these little things it's like you're still the, the dynamic of of being a mother daughter never changes mm-hmm. um really hard to turn off so obviously there's if things can get emotional but um I think if you know again you set those boundaries well then then you're good. You're golden. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And how do you set those boundaries with yourself? Um, Because I know, obviously, with running a business, for myself as a content creator, I sometimes find it hard to differentiate like my free time and personal time with work because it's like, oh, I can just like do one more thing, you know, like I have this free time, might as well get yeah. a little bit more work done, send out another email, you know, how do you set those boundaries with your personal life and your business, because oftentimes with entrepreneurs, their business becomes their whole life. For sure. Yeah. I think at this point, and you know, as we're, we're now going on to like nine years. Um, and so I try to work within my work day time. Okay. So our, I mean, give or take, right. Because yes. I definitely don't work a nine to five at, at all, but you know, I'll kind of set that time for myself to say, okay, like these are the, t- these are, these are your work hours and anything after that, like sure there are things that come up and that's fine. Whether there are interview opportunities or just calls that you must take because of time zones. Like as an example, I had a call with our PR agency who's based in Malaysia and that's at 8 PM. And, you know, so there's always like these things that you just have to do as a business owner, as a global brand. But ultimately, like I really try to shut off like after five or even like probably six o'clock, I try to just like put my phone away, um, you know, not respond to any emails or Teams messages. And I think that um, has helped a ton. And I've tried, I'm hoping that I've um, set that um, kind of boundary, um, not boundary, but just kind of like healthy work-life balance with our team as well. And having them feel good about like putting their phone away or putting their laptop away. Um, but again, we're entrepreneurial, right? So it's like things, like, it's like things come up, but like you do what you can. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what I do. I try not to look at emails at night. So like, I'll not be on my emails. Like first thing in the morning, first thing, like before I go to bed, it's like no emails. So 
I definitely need to get better about that but it's hard when it's like you know your like passion project and sometimes you get an idea in the middle of the night and it's like what has to be done has to be done but no it's great to hear that yeah that you have those boundaries and that you work on that because I think it's really important and a lot of entrepreneurs can kind of get sucked into that and then they don't know how to kind of separate um, those boundaries out so that's really really great to hear um I guess you know Going back to nude sticks, what was the biggest challenge uh, business-wise, like biggest business learning curve that you had to learn really early on, you know, being so young and starting this company? Yeah, that's, there's a lot. There's a lot. Um, I think the biggest thing for me was what it meant to be a leader, because as as a founder, as a co-founder, part of your role is really like inspiring and leading your team and creating a really clear path and vision for them. Um, because ultimately, you know, I think the biggest downfall for a lot of organizations, especially if you're building a brand, if mm-hmm. the rest of your team doesn't have clarity, then no one knows what they're working towards. Right. So I had to truly just like understand what that means. And, um, I've also over the years learned, not learned, but almost created what my, created a voice for myself and like okay. what that voice is. It sounds a little, I guess it's not the most tangible, I guess, word of piece of uh, tangible learning, mm-hmm. but for me as a very young founder, I feel like I've always been very fearful of like having a strong voice or like offending somebody, um, okay. you know saying the wrong thing, um, you know, sounding stupid for a lack of a better word. Like, I think I've been able to really understand like where my place is and what my voice is in, Mm -hmm. in the business. Um, so that's been a huge learning. And then, I mean, there's all these like little business things too, like that you learn over time, whether it's like budgeting or, you know, your, you know, why it's so important to invest in certain, you know, um, certain things in your business, whether it's investing in product, whether it's investing in marketing, Mm -hmm. investing in people, like what's the return on investment? What is the most important investment? Um, You know, a lot of it has been team building. Like how do you build a really strong team? That is for any small business, I think the most challenging thing, because if you are smaller and you have one one person who's maybe not the right fit or um, can cause toxicity, like that can be very detrimental to your business. So, um, you know, finding the right people on your team who are just as passionate as you are, who are really, um, you know, inspired and want to build what, what you're, what you're building. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's like also like global cultural nuances launching globally. There's, there's so much, I feel like I need to like actually write a list of all my learnings that'll that'll come I think at yes. the end of the year you're inspired I'll, I'll write like a full list of all of these things that's that's awesome I I hope you like put it out somewhere because that'd be so so great to hear. I feel like you could do like a full episode on just like learnings from from a business but you brought up such great points there especially in a team because with a smaller um you know more hands-on I want to say kind of brand where you guys are so involved it's definitely different than like a full machine like Estee Lauder L'Oreal as you mentioned where you know the employees not that their you know work is any less significant but there's it's such a bigger scale that it's like one person's attitude isn't going to impact the whole company where you know here 
if you bring in one person that kind of disrupts the flow of work, it can really be detrimental, as you mentioned there. And I guess with those learnings, you know, you mentioned so many amazing like business learnings on investing and everything like that. But what is one thing that running nude sticks has taught you about life in general, like a life lesson that you were able to kind of hold on to as you are going through this journey? Mm, also a great question. You're really just like hitting all of the great questions. <laughs> um, honestly, it sounds so cliche and I, and I feel like, um, you've probably heard it a million times, but one of them is just like enjoying the journey. Like I think, you know, when you launch or when you start a business, it's very easy to think about the end game um, and think about, you know, and and obviously you need to have an objective Mm -hmm. as well and something that provides clarity to allow you to kind of go on that path. Mm -hmm, But I think it's so important to just like, be very present, enjoy, and yeah, and not like focus too much on um, kind of what this this end is or what it looks like. Um, and then I would say another one for me is the importance of leading with like a lot of empathy um, as well as vulnerability. Um, I think many entrepreneurs or not necessarily entrepreneurs, but maybe CEOs um, you know, tend to maybe manage or act as a quote unquote boss. But I think true like leadership is really about kind of having this really, um, lots of like just having empathy for your team, being vulnerable with your team so they can be vulnerable with you too. Um, and I think one of my favorite things to do with, with my team as well is like, there's, there's less of this hierarchy. It's very much as like, we're all working together towards this one goal. Um, that. And that's really how I love to work. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a little bit, some of the learnings. <laughs> and what does vulnerability, cause you mentioned that, what does vulnerability mean to you? Yeah. I mean, it can be like the smallest little thing to like a bigger moment, but like a small example would be, um, you know, if there's something stressful that's happening in the business, because obviously you don't want to cause like chaos. You don't want everyone to feel like you're stressed all the time. And a lot of it you need to suppress because for the sake of like morale and culture Mm -hmm. and everything. But sometimes it's like, shit's just hitting the fan or something's not going well. And you just can sit with your team and say, listen, like this this is, this is really shitty. Like this sucks. Um, but we're going to get through this and like, Mm -hmm. I don't feel good about this. Or even if there's something that you had said that you maybe shouldn't have said, um, being open about that and being vulnerable, um, creating a safe space with your team as well. Like, I think when you expose those vulnerabilities, they then feel comfortable coming to you if there's anything wrong or anything that they want to talk about. Um, and listening, I think super, super important. So yeah, just not being like, I think in the past, because I was so young, I felt like I had to be put on this almost like I had to almost have this wall up a lot right. of the time because I wanted to act a lot more mature and and poised than, mm-hmm. you know, my 17 or 18 year old self. But I think now I'm very much like, like I, I kind of let it go a little bit. Um, and I think that's allowed me to just connect with the team that much better. That's so great to hear. And I did, you know, you brought up being so young again, which made me think about, you know, putting on that kind of professional 
typeface and holding that uh, responsibility of operating a brand, did this make you feel like you had to, in a way, like grow up faster or did you make did it make you feel maybe like you couldn't relate to like your friends around you who were kind of taking that traditional path of like going to school and maybe not having as much responsibility as like operating a brand? Yeah, no, that's a great question for sure. Like when I was, um, when we were launching Nude Sticks, all my friends were in university, having a great time, mm-hmm. partying. Um, I was having a great time launching a business, but obviously <laughs> partying and um, if you count like going to bed early and watching Netflix in a hotel room and order room service yes. as a party, that, that was my party. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I think it's, it's so interesting because I never felt like I missed out. I would have it, like I would have tastes of it and mm-hmm. then I would be done. And I'd be like, I'm very happy with what I'm doing. Um, because I was so excited to get into the working world. It's, I was excited to be connecting with people that were in the industry that were very like-minded, that were passionate, that were driven, are working. Like it was really, it's so inspiring to be around people who are just like very driven. Like it wants, it makes you want to work harder. Um, And not to say that my friends aren't, it was just the stage of their life, right? Like stages and stages, but I definitely think that made me mature a little bit faster um, in some ways. In some ways, it made me mature faster because, yeah, I just, it was just really who I was surrounded with. I was surrounded, rather than university students, I was surrounded by beauty founders and CEOs and fellow, you know, industry veterans and, you know, influencers like yourself or creators who are self, self-employed and, yes. um, you know, making a name for themselves and young in the industry and just working really hard and hustling and having multiple jobs, like, um so yeah I kind of um I loved it that's awesome and I think it's so important like you said to kind of surround yourself by the people that can inspire you and make you feel even more driven right and kind of inspire you to do more um and I think I can definitely relate to that because most of the people I grew up with you know they don't have like a similar life to me working like as a content creator and working full time and doing all this stuff. And sometimes, you know, I do feel guilty like on the weekend when, when I'm like, yeah, guys, I'm going to go to bed early because I have to work tomorrow. And they're like, but it's the weekend, you know? So you have to set those boundaries, I think, in those relationships too. And just realize that mm-hmm. everyone has different paths and you just have to really kind of focus in on your goals and the people you want to surround yourself um, by to get there. So that that's really great to see. And Speaking of goals, you know, you mentioned a really important lesson of not always just focusing on that end goal. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs get trapped in that once I get this milestone, I'll be good, you know, and I think that never really happens. I know for me as a content creator, I was always in this mindset, oh, once I hit 10K followers, you know, I'll be happy. And then once you get there, that's not enough. You have to hit the next milestone that never really ends. And I think... I I really appreciate that you mentioned that and brought that up and you're not so focused on that because I do think a lot of people think once we get here, all will be good, but it's like this constant um, journey of having goals. And with that, I want to ask, what are some of the goals that you have for nude sticks, you know, in the years to come? And uh, do you think that any of these goals have an impact or will have an impact on um, the current beauty industry 
and beauty standards in general. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have we have lots of goals for nude sticks. I mean, the most basic goal is to continue to be a profitable, healthy business. Yes. Because ultimately, if that's not the case, then nothing else can happen. Um, that's, you know, business 101. Um, but it, well, it's, it's funny because I find that there's so many, like, I feel like so many podcasts where someone will say like, these are like my goals and I want to create this and create that. But like, just like if you want to have a healthy business, like I'm yes. very, like we are very happy at Nude Sticks to be where we are today, to have a healthy, profitable business, considering how saturated the industry has become. And considering that we had two years of COVID where the beauty industry, color cosmetics had seen like the largest decline yes. um, globally. So Absolutely. even just like thinking about that, we're all like, wow, like that's pretty crazy. Um, but I think for us, you know, we really want to continue being a leader in the easy, minimalist, multitasking makeup world. Um, and so I think a lot of that is going to be challenging because there's a lot of brands that have kind of come into the space, obviously, but I think creating innovative products, sticking to our mission, you know, looking forward, as I said, not looking sideways. So honing in on what nude means, what a stick means, and just really doing that well, like not getting distracted. Um, you know, I'm excited for this fall season because we have a really cool innovation. Um, that's a part of our nudies category. Um, we do want to really make nudies like this almost like legacy category in the, you know, all over face, um, category because it is such a well-loved product. We actually sell one nudie every minute somewhere in the world. Oh, wow. and they're just like amazing. So I think focusing on what we do really, really well and double down and doubling down on those things, um, and I think that's also, you know, one of the lessons that we've learned over the years is, you know, obviously you, like I said earlier, you try and go wide and that can be like wide launch, like launching yes. wide, so globally, but also you kind of launch, you know, we launched eyes, we launched lips, we launched nudies, we launched mascara, we launched all these things. And I truly believe we've done all of these things very, very well. However, certain things always perform better than others. There's no brand that has like, you know, a million dollars skew in every single category. You Absolutely. have certain brands that do mascara really well, certain brands that do concealer really well. And so once you know consumer insights and feedback and and you can really, that kind of leads a really clear path for you, to be honest. It's really based on numbers. It's based on um, consumer love. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of one of the learnings we had with nudies as an example, nudies we launched in 2017. And we saw such an incredible response that we're like, okay, there's something here. We need to build out this category. Um, so that's going to be something we continue to do moving forward. You know, one of our pillars, we actually have our pillars are called our new truth. Um, oh, wow. So we have multiple pillars that we, we talk to um, a lot. One of those pillars being clean, we're currently clean at Sephora. We just garnered our seal this year, which is very exciting. Congratulations. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, one of our pillars is also sustainability. So whether it's our tins that are made out of tin plate, recyclable, reusable, no PVC, uh, our new tin packaging is recyclable, biodegradable. So we're continuing to innovate in the sustainability realm as well. And I always say sustainability is progress, not perfection, because there's always new innovation that comes, you know, to play. Absolutely. Um, 
And then, you know, I think a lot of it is just continuing to connect with our community. I think that is really at the center of everything we do. If we don't have an engaged community that, um, you know, loves our products is they're, you know, re- like re- repeating, like re- uh, repeat customers, then right. what do you have? Right. So finding new and innovative ways to connect with them and We've done things that, you know, resonate even with our new truth, whether it's sustainability, we've done like a local cleanup in Toronto with reformation. We've done, you know, um, we've done a variety of like woman impact, um, um, events with, uh, the year of action and don't ban equality. So identifying things that are meaningful to our brand, meaning to a full, to our community that are not as product focused, but more, uh, brand and mission focused, um, what else? I mean, in the next few years, um, I think also identifying, you know, who are those really like, who are those people we want to bring on to our, we call it our nude squad. Um, I would say you're like, you're a part of our nude squad, like those individuals who can represent the brand really beautifully, who, um, you know, we, we want to continue to build relationships with. So yeah. And then obviously product innovation is always king. Um, Absolutely. I know that, that was a lot. There's a lot of focuses there, yes. but I think these are always on things that, you know, we do. Um, yeah. No, I think that that's so great. You bring up so many amazing goals there and it's, it's nice to see. And one thing I really appreciate is the fact that you said, you know, you guys know what you do well and what nude sticks does well. And you're focusing on, you know, those two basic things, nude and sticks. And I really like that because so many brands these days, you know, you see them just launch after launch after launch and just coming out with anything that's, you know, trending or out. And it's like, they have every single, you know, type of product, a million SKUs, a million colors. And it's like, okay, but are any of these products like that top thing that they do really, really well. So it's great to see that you guys really stuck to your roots. And instead of just like following trends or anything that comes out, you're like, this is what we do. And this is what we do well. And we're going to teach consumers why this is so great. And then another thing you mentioned is keeping that community, you know, with your consumers and always just having that tight knit community. And with that, I've noticed you are very involved on news six social media. Um, Mm -hmm. I always see your videos come up. So what was the kind of deciding factor to film that content on your own as the founder, rather than, uh, as a bunch of brands do just get like UGC, um, content, user-generated content, or use influencers. And I know you guys, you know, work with influencers as well, but I do also see as much of the videos that you put in and put out on the Nude Sticks platforms. Yeah. So, I mean, a big part of it, and it's funny because this was like pre-TikTok, I um, I mean, honestly, a big part of it was budget. Okay. <laughs> You know, when we first launched our brand, we don't have marketing expense to pay celebrities and UGC. And um, so that was a big part of it. Um, You know, a part of it also was this authenticity. You know, 10 years ago, if you were to walk into a store or go go on social media, the brand model representation or brand face representation was like, where are these models, right? Like that's who they paid to represent their brand perfectly like these perfect beautiful humans that are beautiful and like and then you obviously have like the photoshop and all of these things that you know existed and and still exist today but um you know one of the things 
it's it's very interesting because like now thinking back to it, it's it's kind of funny. But when we first launched, one of my inspirations, it's actually a model and actress now, but was Carla Cara Delevingne. Oh wow. <laughs> and this was and the reason why was because she was one of the first models that I guess was kind of like in the it crowd or whatever. And she was just really quirky. Like she was like right. quirky and she would like all of her photos were just like very real. And I resonated with that. And I was like, I love how like silly she is. Like you don't see that. You don't see models just being like weird and themselves and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, a fellow, I'm like fellow weirdo was like this resonates, <laughs> this, this I can get, I can, I can back. Um, and so when it came to developing like content and even campaign, I was like, I, I, like, I am not, I'm the girl next door, right? Like I am your friend. I'm not this model. I'm not an influencer. I'm not a celebrity. Um, I just wanted to like connect with our community in a very authentic way. And that was the biggest reason why, you know, we were also so front facing and I created all of the content right off the bat, um, before TikTok, I was on Snapchat and I was creating Snapchat oh, wow. content every day, every day, um, taking everyone through my tutorials before I got went to school, before I took the subway to get I to love that. My, <laughs> my university campus. And that. that was kind of, yeah, I just, I just thought it was very real. And I think people love that, you know, and I think they still love, um, and as much as, you know, obviously like we need representation and you know we have a variety of community members and and talent that we partner with but I didn't want to lose that with our community it, I thought I thought it would be odd if I just all of a sudden was like I'm no longer creating content for you all you know absolutely and I, I love how involved you are in that because I definitely when I see your face on social media it's like you are nude six right and you get to see that personality behind the brand rather just than the brand and a bunch of, you know, faces you don't necessarily know. So I I, I love that, honestly. And you mentioned, you know, relating to Cara Delevingne and feeling, you know, like you can relate to her. And I think that's a huge power of what social media and media in general has been able to do is connect us with people that we find similarities in. So with that, I want to ask you, what are your current thoughts on the beauty standards and kind of the beauty standards set on social media today? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I think both Instagram and TikTok have different, um, I still in many ways think Instagram is very curated. Um, It's not as authentic as your TikTok content. More picture perfect for sure. Yeah. Like they're still, you know, like still curated. Um, Whereas TikTok, you know, you can literally hop on right out of bed in a messy bun, no makeup and be like, let's get ready together. And it's like you, you, and that's the norm and it's, it's amazing. Um, I think that the beauty industry, I think we still have ways to go in terms mm-hmm. of representation, um, and really making sure that we're speaking to everyone. Um, but I do think that, you know, what's so beautiful about, I would say our community and and obviously the beauty community is that, they're they're keeping us accountable and when they see something that doesn't feel right or if there's something that's lacking then they'll say it and um we're very receptive to feedback we we hear everyone we see every dm and we're very reactive and the thing the great thing about being an entrepreneurial brand as well and a small brand is that you can make those changes um, really quickly and 
Um, so I would say, um, yeah, the, I think, but where we are today versus where we were eight to 10 years ago is I think dramatic. Yes. Um, sure. But in industry, you know, there's still, there's still a lot we can do. But yeah, it's it's kind of like this progress. It's constant progress, I think. And I think Absolutely. even seeing your content, I love your content because Thank you. you're so real and authentic. And you're like, and I love even like you'll show the different lighting. Like this is what my skin looks like in natural lighting versus studio lighting versus in no lighting. And I think that type of content is what we need and what people need to see because there are so many people, whether it's on Instagram or even still TikTok, people can use filters and whatever. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that's where a lot of these, like a lot of anxiety, a lot of this, you know, a lot of self-esteem issues come into play because you're looking at this photo or this video of which you think is real or it's not. Um, And so your beauty standards are completely altered and shifted. And I think we need more creators like you. I mean, you're probably like, no, (laughs) (laughs) you're like, just me, Uh, but we do. We need like your content is so impactful. Um, And I also think that like also debunking, like just like you debunk a lot of like skin myths, like it's uh, so, yeah, I I think it's, it's super important to like for for people like you to kind of push those boundaries and to like set this standard in beauty. Um, So thank you. No, thank you, Taylor. That, that means a lot coming from you. And I, I always say, I always try to post the content that I, wish I would have saw when I was a teenager growing up, you know, especially since I started off on YouTube, I felt this pressure that if I'm going to be on this platform posting these videos, I have to look, you know, perfectly polished like every other big influencer posting on these platforms. So I think this switch like flipped my head where I was like, you know what, let me just show the real side of it, you know, and even switching up that lighting because it's not, I'm not, you know, I don't have a ring light attached to my face 24 (laughs) seven. So we look different um, in different lighting. And no, I I encourage so many people to, to take that leap and show their real skin on social media too, because I think the more influencers that do it, the, the bigger of an impact we can really have to kind of make that the new norm in a way. And I think with your brand nude sticks, I think you guys definitely align with that because it is kind of that like your skin, but better um, makeup and just more. One thing I love about the products you guys create is it's makeup that enhances your already naturally beautiful features rather than like covering up, you know, everything that society may deem as flaws, you know? So mm-hmm. I do really appreciate that about the brand and um, you guys definitely keep it super real. So with that, what is maybe one of the goals for nude sticks in having an impact um, on the beauty industry further than the impact you've already had? Yeah, I think further, honestly, is continuing to create beauty products that, to your point, make you feel, just make you feel like the best version of yourself. And I know that's also a pretty cliche thing to say. Um, but, you know, one of the comments that I constantly get and from multiple women and men who have used our products is like, regardless of their skin type or their skin tone, or even their age is, you know, I love nude sticks because I don't feel like I, you know, need to cover up with a ton of makeup and, you know, you still have those high performance products and you still yes. get the cover, but the, the textures and the tones and the, it feels and looks like skin. And, um, you know, it's interesting when we, when we launch nude sticks, like, a lot of 
people who started using our products would say, I w- I'm not getting compliments on my makeup, but I'm getting compliments on how I look. Right. And I think that's really nice. And obviously sometimes, you know, you go for a full glam and you're like, no, I would want them to compliment my makeup. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, no, please compliment my, yes. my liner. Yes. Um, but, you know, I think that's really impactful for the, for the everyday consumer today. So constantly just like pushing the boundaries and what we can do to create like the perfect, you know, minimalist makeup, um, brand and product collection. Um, and then I also think a big part of it is like kind of redefining nude, like what does nude mean for everybody? Um, whether it's nude, you know, tones, whether it's wearing less because nude can mean also just like stripping away some of the layers and revealing, you know, your the beautiful you. I think there's like this whole, campaign that we haven't even touched on on like what does nude even mean because I think you know some people when they think nude they think tones but nude means so much more um and that's even where our pillars come from like the nude truth it's kind of like the stripping away of those layers and being exposed and being vulnerable and yeah so I really want to play on that and so I think that'll that'll come soon no I love that and definitely with products like the ones nude six has I feel in a way it only makes you feel like beautiful and confident, but even when you take that makeup off, because I know a lot of people have asked me like, what is one thing that helped you become really confident in your skin? And ironically, I always say in a way makeup, once I started using makeup in a way that it wasn't just like that full glam, very 2016 makeup, once I kind of started transitioning it to more of that, using it to enhance my features rather than just to cover up my skin, I was more comfortable removing my makeup at the end of the night because it didn't feel as much of a dramatic like shift, you know, because I know a lot of people struggle with taking off their makeup and seeing their real skin and seeing the the real them in the mirror at the end of the day. So I think when you use makeup in that way and use products like the ones Nude 6 has to enhance your features, you fall in love more with the natural features you have. And when you wipe away that makeup, you still are able to feel that confidence, but the makeup just helps like give you that extra boost, which I think is really amazing. And it's crazy how much of an impact, you know, a blush or a lipstick can have on someone and just really give them that extra sparkle that can carry them throughout their day. So I'm sure that was really fulfilling uh, when you get feedback from your customers on how nude six makes them feel. So I love that. I do want to ask a bit about you and how, you know, beauty centers affect you. Cause obviously this podcast is all about that. And one thing I always talk about is showing love towards your skin. So what is something that you love about your skin? What I love about my skin. I love my freckles. Um, You can't really see in this lighting. (laughs) So I apologize for my terrible lighting. Um, But I do have, little freckles. I have like tiny little freckles that have kind of clumped and almost created like little tiny bits of hyperpigmentation, but <laughs> clumped freckles. Yeah. Um, so I've learned to love them. It's, it's funny because I used to hate my freckles. Like I used to want to cover them up. I used to hate them. Um, but now I've just like embraced them and I don't want to cover them up. So I, I love, I love that about my skin. And I also think like I mean, it's so easy to get caught up. Like I'm like, as we age at the ripe age of 27, as we age, <laughs> uh, you know, being in the beauty industry, you start to pick out all these little things. You're like, oh, I have a line or I have a smile, like all these like expression lines that we start to make as we age. And um, I used to like be so hyper-focused on these things. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to embrace my my uh, expression lines because yeah. that means that you're, 
you're expressing things and that's yes. good. Yeah. And it's all <laughs> part of the the journey of life. And I think there's yes. beauty in how your skin evolves over time and, and shows kind of the journeys you've come across in life. But I love that you mentioned your freckles. Cause like, I remember when I was younger, I have like some freckles on my nose and I would always ask my mom, when are these going to go away? Like, I, I yeah. really didn't like them. I'd always try to cover them up. Um, yeah. Cause I, I felt like, I felt like no matter how clear my skin looked, I just had these freckles that were always there, but now yeah. like I love them and I love when a foundation's more sheer and like doesn't fully mask them. So it's funny how like over time we begin to love the things that we were so like insecure, hated about ourselves. And right? obviously yeah. as much as, you know, you radiate like positive energy, obviously as humans, all of us kind of get down some days or feel less confident and start to nitpick at ourselves, as you mentioned there. So, um, when you are in those days where you feel down or maybe insecure about your skin, what is something that you like to do to kind of bring yourself back to more of a positive mindset? It's funny because the first thought that came to mind was my dog. <laughs> but I'm like, that's wait, awesome. no, I need, I need a better answer. <laughs> uh, but that's a great point because like, like if you think about it, like, do you think your dog cares that you're breaking out or, you know, like your dog will love you no matter no. what. So I love that you mentioned that actually, because that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, she's my emotional, my emotional support. And yeah. yeah, no, it's so funny. Like, yeah, the first thing that came to mind, I was like, yeah, you know, my dog, it doesn't matter yeah. how, if I'm feeling down one day or if I'm being super critical of myself, I know she will be there. Um, but other than that, honestly, I write down a lot. Um, okay. And you can have a journal or I sometimes if I don't have my journal on me, I'll just like write on my phone in my notes. And I have like a little um, note tab called mm -hmm. just thoughts okay. or scribbles. And I kind of just like let it all out. And then when you read it back and I'll usually give myself like a few hours, you know, just like write it down, let it out. If a few hours you still feel bad about it, then like we can revisit it. But um a lot of the times you look back and you're like, you know what? It actually wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it was in that moment. Um, so I tend to do that a lot. Another thing I tend to do, and it's interesting because my my therapist actually had, had recommended this. Um, but if you need like a reset, I mean, if you're, if you're fortunate enough to be in your apartment or in your house or whatever, and you can do this, but like, she's like, wash your face or like take a cold shower, like something that okay. will almost just like reset your mind, reset your mood. Um, and it's kind of creates like this whole shift. Mm -hmm. Um, because sometimes if you are feeling like incredibly emotional and, and anxious and you know, your, your chest is heavy, it's very hard to get out of that. So something that will like shift that dramatically, you almost need like something with impact. So, um, that's something that I've, I've done, um, or go on a walk, walk, just really simple just get some fresh air yes no it's crazy how much like exercise or just like some sunlight and fresh air can completely just heal yes. you you know when you get in that yeah. in that bad spiral so those are some really great points I, I like the the washing your face or having a cold shower that's I've never heard of that before but that that seems like it would definitely work just kind of get back into um, more of a clear mindset, like you said, and definitely writing out your thoughts too. I, I need to get better about that because I, you know, I always tell myself like I should journal and stuff, but I've never really gone into it. But that's definitely a goal for myself to do in the future because I think it's important 
um, to write those thoughts out and reflect on them later and kind of compare, you know, how you felt in maybe a more emotional state versus how you feel when you have some time to process it. So some great yeah. advice there, Taylor. Thank you for that. And, and if you do want to write, sorry, if you do want to write something that had kind of like eliminated that boundary for me okay. was I used to think in order to write, I needed to like write perfectly. Like I needed to almost like write as if I'm like writing an essay, like right. a start, a finish, a middle, like I need to almost write the story. But like what I've, the reason why I call it scribbles is because it doesn't have to make sense. Yes. Like it can be gibberish okay. when you look back on it, but it's just the first thing that comes to mind. So I don't know if that's helpful, but like just kind of eliminate all thoughts of like having to be perfect in that moment. And yeah. That's right. But. Exactly what you're thinking. No, that that's a <laughs> yeah. great piece of advice there. I should definitely, definitely a goal of mine this year is to get more into writing my thoughts down because I think it's definitely helpful. So before we close off here, um, I do want to ask you one last question that um, I'm sure will be helpful to anyone listening as well. So what is your biggest piece of advice to any future entrepreneurs, young women, anybody really um, to kind of encourage them that if they're having some doubts to kind of just take that leap, what's your biggest advice there? I mean, I think a big part of it, I mean, I think this is dependent on if it's a calculated leap, if it's a calculated (laughs) risk, um, you know, I think that's super important first before you go headfirst into anything or any business and identifying, okay, like whether it's financially Um, or, you know, if there's, if you have a business partner, making sure that you've done the work, you've done the homework, it's a calculated leap of faith. Um, but then also I think to your point earlier and something that we did is that it doesn't need to be zero to a hundred. Um, you know, I, at least for me, like that would be very, very stressful. Um, if I went zero to a hundred, because, you know, if you have a full-time job and obviously like you know, you're not, you're probably not paying yourself for a decent amount of time when you, when you start a business, um, unless you get funding from, you know, VC, but, um, yeah, I would say it it can be, it can be this, this gradual leap. And I think consistency is key and I think challenge yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think a lot of some advice that I've received even, or I've heard entrepreneurial entrepreneurs say is I'm going to give myself X amount of time to make this happen or reach this goal in order for me to say, okay, like I'm taking this leap of faith. So maybe this will help validate your business as well. Um, and maybe there's like consumer proof that you need, um, prior to kind of like taking this leap of faith. So I find that like having those tactics prior to being like all or nothing are super important. And you might say you want to give yourself six months and for twice a week for the next six months, I'm going to be working on this. And this is where I would like to be, or at least close to this to really validate my business. So yeah, it's a, I know on social media, there's, it's very easy to say, oh, this person just like one day said, we're starting a business. That's it. It's not usually the case. Yeah. It's a lot of behind the scenes um, work that kind of goes into it. So. Absolutely. I think that's some amazing advice. And I know even for myself as a content creator, people ask me, how do I get into this industry? You know, how do I start, you know, making content, doing it for a living? And I always tell them time and consistency because it took me nine years to get to where I am. And people might look at my content now and be like, oh, like she's living the life as an influencer, you know, like everything's good. And it's like, yeah, but it like it takes consistent work. And 
I wasn't at this place, you know, when I started out, I wasn't, there was no money in it. There was nothing but just like pure passion behind it. And um, one thing that I heard Mark Cuban say once was, you know, if you're not like obsessed with the business you want to start, don't do it. And I think it's really important because if you're not fully there with it, you're not going to put in the time and really stick to those goals and be consistent. And like you mentioned, like set out those, you know, timeframes and always stick to, I'm going to block out this time to work on the project I'm wanting to create a reality. So I think that's definitely some amazing advice there, Taylor, but thank you so much for coming on to loud talk. It's was so amazing speaking to you and hearing, you know, some of the background on nude sticks. And I know I love the brand and I'm sure so many of the the listeners do as well, because it's definitely, you know, I'm not just saying this talking to you. I I genuinely think that (laughs) it's had an impact on the beauty industry. And um, I love that you guys are so involved and I get to see uh, that from like an outside perspective on social media. It's, It's really awesome. So I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I loved this conversation and yeah, thank you so much. Awesome. Well, to anyone out there listening again, go check out Taylor. I'll have all her socials down below in the description. If you're listening on YouTube and of course go check out nude sticks as well. And if you're listening on Spotify, Apple, or any other streaming platform, go check out the YouTube version. Um, We do have the full video version on there on the loud talk channel. And just a quick reminder for anyone listening, remember to tell yourself something you love about your skin today and never be afraid to stay loud in this world. So Thank you for tuning in and you'll hear me in the next episode of Loud Talk with Lavi. Bye everyone.